Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. And welcome to the podcast, everybody. My name is Kevin McDonald, and you're listening to My Independence Report. Today, we have a very interesting individual on the line, and uh, I'm very happy to introduce him to you. His name is Daniel Roy Barron, and he has a site that uh, is called E. He's a CEO, actually, of E-Town Halls. And we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about what his mission is and all of that, and we're going to start right now. So, Daniel... Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Kevin, for having me on. Uh, what I've represented is a lot of other souls uh, from working with various people over the years. And I became backpack in April uh, 1st, 2011. That's my nickname and wrote the book called Looking Glass Shattered. And a lot of these things have led me up to this moment in my life. Let's talk a little bit about the book, uh, Looking Glass Shattered. Is that on Amazon? Can somebody pick it up there? Yeah, it's on Amazon. It's called Looking Glass Shattered, a Cubicle Commando to Real Democracy Leader. Uh, I spent 20 years in quality assurance, technical writing, uh, in business analysis, instructional design. So I've got a really strong, heavy background, somewhat like the story of Walter Mitty. You know, we're going to work, having my handful of people that I would communicate with. And when I uh, reached that age of 42, that beautiful age of rebirth and you know, it's they magic. often talk about, yeah, it's very magical that uh, it pu- pushed me outside the comfort zone. And I got a backpack on, got rid of my apartment and just started traveling. And even up till recently, uh, I just finally got a place of my own after about eight years, nine years now that it's been, uh, I've been hopping around and even was in Brazil for six months. So it's brought me to a lot of doing my own talk shows since 2014 of various uh interviewing all kinds of people from the downtrodden people having to eat out of the dumpsters to CEOs to four-star generals and everybody in between. So how did you get, how, what was your um, uh, passion or what, what started you on this journey of yours um, to get, to go all these places and, and where exactly have you been? I know you've been to Brazil, but you've been to Europe and you've been all over the United States and a whole bunch of places, huh? Yeah, I had a. I also had a job opportunity 20 years ago. I worked in London for three months. Um, it's really, you know, I'm just glad that I've had these opportunities to get out because the first 27 years of my life, I I mainly stayed in Knoxville, my hometown, and I really didn't get out a lot, didn't really have the money. I just was in school or studying or working. And so when I moved to Atlanta and when I was 27, so from 27 to 42, I mostly lived in Atlanta and I uh, I really lived more of the Walter Mitty. Uh, you know, I liked what I did, and I learned a lot from technology jobs, but I just wanted to stretch for more. And, you know, like they say in the tarot deck, the death card is actually the most beautiful card because it's a forcing uh, spiritually to make giant leaps. And I don't – I took a lot of unconventional choices of hitchhiking, just massive travel, uh, doing a lot of Craigslist ride shares, and I spent – from 2016 to 2017, I spent massive travels where I was somewhere else every five days or so and just 
hopping around and researching and learning and doing these talk shows uh, as a backpack journalist. Uh, that's why I really like the nickname backpack because it's, it, it's a metaphor for, you know, what's in our metaphorical backpack of like events, places, people, uh, things that we experience, life experiences, but it's also uh, backpack journalism and trying to reach out uh, from my own experience how easy it is now by doing YouTube channels and interviewing people on the spot, on the road, or even uh, just being a journalist now has and now we see a lot more abilities to be a talk show host too, where this smartphone can do so many great things as we're doing this podcast uh, through the smartphone also. Oh, absolutely. I got to ask you though, um, you know, there are a lot of people that would say, I really would like to get out of my little box and to try something new and to really stretch myself. But most people don't have the intestinal fortitude to go get that done and they're scared of uh, uh, putting on a backpack and walking down the street and see what happens. How, why are you different? What happened? Why 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 are you uh, capable of doing that when so many people wish they could but just can't? Well, it, I had saved up some money to be able to do it uh, at the time, and you know, it was just it was just a push and wanting to make more out of my life. But I, a lot of people, there is a lot of hesitation. There's a lot of fear. Uh, my pen name is actually My Human Compassion, and so I've learned a lot about compassion because there's been times where I've been able to give, and in recent times, I'm actually staying with a friend who's let me stay with no rent. Uh, I'm not paying him rent, and he bought me a laptop so that I could start doing some shows again. And so I've seen from uh, that word compassion from all perspectives, um, but I, I think a lot of people are hesitant. They're stuck in a rut. They maybe know 10 people, handful of people, maybe 20 people that they no, maybe their entire lifetime being in the same small town. There are ways of traveling with little or no money. I've stayed with uh, Couchsurfing, which is a great website uh, where you can stay for free with other people. Um, there's also great, a lot of times I've traveled too where I didn't pay anything. Somebody just needed a companionship on the road. So we were conversing and I, like, for example, I went on a trip from Oregon to San Diego that way. And the gentleman I was with, I still maintain friendship with him and I try to stay people know that we're backpack because it, it has meant to be a symbol of uh, people getting various reasons why they do want to just strap on a backpack. And I will say this until I believe until I die, the most free moment of my life was just getting on the Appalachian trail, which I actually went to this summer. I went back and spent two weeks hiking on the Appalachian trail and camping out. Um, and you know, that's a real freedom source that when we're trying to push ourselves and, you know, get outside the comfort zone. Uh, there are some, a lot of factors that can do it, but people can figure out ways to do it with little or no money. I know other people who've done massive travels uh, with almost no money. So in, in all of your travels and where you've been and the people you've met, tell our audience, what have you learned from all of that? Well, I've learned that there is a lot more compassion um, than out there in the world than what we realize. I've learned some, you know, difficult lessons that I, I know I wouldn't have if I had just stayed in the corporate cubicle all these last years since uh, I'm 51 now. So if I spent the last nine years, I don't know where I would be. I, I know staying the conventional life, saving some money. I'm sure I would own a house by now because I was just about to purchase a I came close to buying a condo at the time, and I, but it just didn't work out, and I just did this whirlwind of travel. 
Um, you know, one of my favorite quotes by Ernest Hemingway is, uh, I, you know, the only way for trust is to trust, you know, that, you know, it's that word trust and how beautiful that is. I, I've met various people on the, who've lived on the streets or traveled. Um, I call that kind of lifestyle the monk lifestyle in a way, like in Asia, we can see our advanced monks. Uh, they're actually, they are, um, given money or like food or allowances and, and they're celebrated in Asia and other countries. And in this particular country that is so bent on money and, uh, money oriented that we are forgetting that uh, there's a lot of beautiful people living out there on the streets who I, I've interviewed. I've taken them into the hotel rooms I've stayed at to really understand what, what things that they were challenged with. I learned that a lot of people living um, who have to pitch a tent under the interstate and our uh, highways and byways are actually, uh, they had a spouse who died tragically in the in a car accident or were working in the big oil rigs making 100000 a year, and then there was an explosion and people died. And this one particular person I met uh, came from that. He just couldn't go back to work. He just had to, you know, drop it all and just travel on it. I respect that. I understand that. And we have a lot of veterans too that are living this lifestyle. And we, we could go a long way by having these uh, hostels that are either free or maybe just a minimal amount of work to support the, the love of travel because it is a great way to deal with depression or uh, different mental issues and, and in a, in a loving, supportive way, in a very loving, peaceful way to have like meditation centers. Um, all organic, all natural foods available for people, um, who are either no money or little money. And, and to look at people differently who are living this lifestyle as advanced monks, as people that, uh, we respect just as much as if they were Jeff Bezos with nine billion in their pocket to love and respect people with 0, 0.0 or just a little bit of money and see that as we nurture them and have better systems set up that are more humane than what we have now, because I've stayed in four uh, shelters on my travels, and I've learned there are some that are really great. I do recommend the one in La, La Mosa, Colorado, was was amazing. Um, and I actually, it's funny how life comes full circle. I just met a gentleman who's him and his wife actually helped start that hostel, Bob Dunsmore, one of my really good friends who has the great mandate for democracy. It's one of the things he came down and spent a week living with me recently, and I learned a lot about his life work and uh, how important the great mandate for democracy is. And um, and so these are the types of things I've learned. But I guess the number one thing I would say is, uh, and I, as I've met people living on the streets or even in the CEO or the boardrooms who have tons of money or who are either struggling or thriving uh, and everybody in between is to somehow hold on to a good heart through all this, keep that trust, that ability to trust people that you don't know, the strangers, and how valuable that is. That's a valuable currency because uh, I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have that uh, ability. And, you know, so the only way to trust is to trust. I agree with that 100%. You know, I was just thinking, um, as you've been talking, I have a good friend, a boyhood friend, actually, that I've known for 40, ugh, a long time. And uh, the difference between you and he is, he is, he's married, he has a child that's now, you know, like 20, and he's got a house, and he, he works in a cubicle in the customer service department selling uh, 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 boat stuff, and every time I talk to him, it's late at night after he's had 
No, I don't know, a dozen cocktails or so, and he laments how lousy his life is because all he has ever done is sit in a cubicle for work and go home and and then drink. His favorite was rum and cokes, and uh, and and drink. And and he was a very, he was a very very unhappy man. When you when you uh, uh, look at him, and then we look at you. You look like you've, you sound like you've had a wonderful life and a wonderful lifestyle. So I encourage people to think out of the box like you did. Uh, when you were, when you were 41, 42 and you were thinking about this, I, I mean, that's, you got to admit, it's a little out of the box and it's a little scary. Um, and was it something that you wanted to do your whole life? I'll give you an example. Uh, this radio uh, podcast and the radio show that I do, and have done in the past, that's kind of my passion. That's really what I really want to do. But And so I've been planning it for a long time. Did you? Was it something that just kind of perked up and said, I want to sell my stuff and travel? Yeah, I reached that point. You know, if we're working in a cubicle, you know, I say sarcastically, we're in a cubicle car, and we get on a cubicle interstate, and then we go to like a cubicle uh, cube at work, and then, you know, we have – it's just one cubicle to another, and it, it almost feels like uh, that the cubicle at our job should be in the shape of a coffin. So when we die, we just like fall into this coffin, and then we, you know we're buried. So it's like this constant one cube to another cube. And uh, I even uh, I had sent that on Twitter. I've been pretty active on Twitter under Daniel Roy Barron. I had sent that idea to uh, a famous uh, cartoonist, and he he laughed at that. He thought it was funny, but you know it's just you know it's sarcastic, but it also you know, we're surrounded by these posters of people hiking mountains and, you know, doing adventures. And I'm really proud I did Mount Katahdin. and I actually made it in one day. I made it to the very top where it has that sign that all the Appalachian Trail hikers see when they, they usually do it in three to six months from Georgia where it starts and North Georgia all the way to Maine. Um, and I've done at least a day hike in Continental Divide, in, you know, on separate times, which is in the middle of the country in Colorado area. And then Pacific Crest Trail, I did the first 20 miles um, that starts at the Tijuana-San Diego border, touched the border wall, and, like, did at least a, a few days hiking, um, you know. So these are the kinds of things, though, that we get into, you know, like see the world and try to – I think Walter Mitty is actually a great movie. I just watched that for the first time. I had seen a little bit of it, but uh, I like the fact that the last half of the movie, he really is doing the, the really cool stuff. He's not just dreaming it up. So I think Walter Mitty – uh, they really nail it with that movie. That was a, they did a good job of describing this idea of the cubicle life and jumping out of that and trying to, you know, find what you really love to do. And I, I share your interest, Kevin. I really love doing interviews and I've, I've fallen in love with that. And that's something I plan on sticking with doing. Well, I'd love to be on your show as well when, because that is E Town Halls, right? Is that the, is that the podcast you're doing or are you doing something else? Yeah, it's gone through many transformations. I've gone through, at one time it was Global Freedom Network, uh, and then it was Voices of Global Freedom, and it would be great to have you on. I look forward to when we can uh, catch up and uh, hear all the things that have brought you into the host seat, so to speak. Um, and then I've uh, also, it was called Win Number 4 News, and so it's kind of been a lot of different names, and then for a while it was Real Democracy, and now I've just recently updated to E-Town Halls because I really want to, uh, push that name uh, home. And one of the things that's been great for me doing these talk shows is I, I've got some endearing friendships now that people like, I mentioned Bob Dunsmore, 
Um, he's an amazing human being. I, I honestly feel like I'd rather spend time with him than someone like a Trump or a Hillary or a Clinton or, you know, these people. He's a community development leader uh, for, he traveled, he lived in 20 countries. He was in Bolivia for three years, for example, and he was building systems and uh, technologies that either are involved with no money or just a little bit of money of like water filtration, how to build homes with heating that is solar or all these like great technologies. His, his website's heartmindalliance.com. And I really like to celebrate and uh, salute uh, certain people that I've been really honored to meet. Um, I did spend time for a year and a half. I lived with Yoda, who was a real life uh, law enforcement military intel, and I still respect him. I did see him last year at the nursing home that he's at. And I, I appreciate and I respect that. And I, it's such an interesting contrast. I'd actually like to film a movie about the difference between like living with a Yoda guy for a long time and then my experience with Bob, who's a community development leader, where he goes around from the U.S. to all these communities in South America to help uh, build them from a community perspective. And, and Yoda actually traveled all over the world as a CIA guy. He was doing, uh, you know, secret drops at the uh, bench in Berlin. And th he would used to talk about that. He said the Jason Bourne series are like the ultimate way to show what the CIA is doing. So th that would be a beautiful movie and a contrast of, of how different types of human beings can go to other countries and, and be, you know, supported in, you know, what ways that, you know, I, I definitely, uh, from what my experiences and what Bob's told me, I definitely gear towards the community development outreach way to, for uh, here in the U.S., uh, more of the social work, more of the let's build communities uh, perspective than the military law enforcement or intel from what I've gone through personally and from what I've learned. So it's been very mind expanding. And then, of course, David Frank has been a huge influence and we've been friends for about two months and we've been talking every few days. His phone number is open for me and, and other people as well. He's got a beautiful website called onevoicenow.org. And after I interviewed him and I interviewed Bob Dunsmore several times on, uh, Bob Dunsmore has a great mandate for democracy, and David Frank has the one voice now. They're both modalities that we get direct vote. And it inspired me to get the website recently called etownhalls.com so that we pick up the torch. And I didn't agree with everything that uh, Ross Perot did when he ran for president in 1992, but I see an urgent need for electronic town halls as a resolution to our issues, and along with coinciding with uh, direct democracy that uh, Bob Dunsmore has been pushing for to, to remove corporate push personhood so that corporations are no, no longer in the government, um, along with uh, regenerative agriculture, um, so many other great things that we have in the Great Mandate for Democracy, which I've signed and other people have signed, including uh, the war, the website War Beyond War, um, and uh, Jimmy Carter, one of the former presidents of Habitat for Humanity, has signed it. Um, and so many of those types of people have stepped forward to say, um, we've got 33 mandates which are a placeholder to bring democracy in um, for the first time in the U.S. history. And then also uh, David Frank's uh, big contribution to humanity is uh, that we're directly voting through our uh, cable, our internet, our social media, that there's going to be an app called E-Town Halls one day. And hopefully all these things can come together in 2020 as it gets more attention and more excitement about it. And it's something that Ross Perot uh, first came up with the idea in 92. 
Um, and if most people search electronic town halls, they'll see articles about Ross Perot when he ran. Yeah, it's been it's been a while, but he he had some interesting concepts, some interesting ideas. A couple things first, I wanted to mention to you that uh, if you're into really into hiking, the Cascade Crest Trail, which goes all the way up to Canada uh, from Mexico, is 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 beautiful when you get up here in my neck of the woods, which is the Pacific Northwest. And uh, but I, I had a friend that, that he went from Canada and he was going down to Mexico, and he, they were in California on the Cascade Crest Trail. And they were hiking, and it was getting dark. And uh, so it got dark, and they decided to stop and camp. And uh, when they woke up the next day, there was a sign almost directly over his tent that said, Danger, rattlesnakes, do not camp here. But <laughs> he, he survived. Um, but I wanted to ask you, I know that you are interested in, because of, you know, you said a couple of free uh, key phrases here. One is trust. The other one is compassion and caring, and you seem like a very caring guy. And I know you probably thought about this because you and Bob and others are trying to put together a new way to run democracy to make it because we right now have what's called a representative democracy, kind of. And it's not a direct democracy where everybody has an equal vote and everybody can have a say. And I wanted to ask you, though, because based upon the conversation that we had last time, our country is so divided right now. The United States is so divided, left, right, and and it's 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 so angry. How have you and Bob talked about how are you going to bring us together as a nation and bring us back to uh, a holistic way of being? Well, one of the proposals of the great mandate for democracy, and I love it. For me, it fits perfectly in with uh, what David Frank has proposed, that we're all voting at our local public broadcasting channel, our, our radio, our social media, that we even have a Facebook app that is like Facebook, except we're actually voting. And uh, once we get in the hundreds of thousands of votes on any of these issues, like property tax or things that are really impacting us on a daily basis, the uh, powers that be will uh, have uh, no choice but to listen to it. But we have reached this point in our country where it's time to take some, uh, really listen to what people have been crying for for so long. And we hear the Occupy movement, which I went to when I, on my travels in 2012. I spent some time in New York City and I saw the people camped out in, uh, you know, near Wall Street and I saw the signs on the buildings where people were saying we support, uh, the Occupy movement and, and these, those voices are still there. They haven't gone away. And then we hear about the yellow jackets, uh, or, you know, people, or the yellow vests, I should say, in, uh, Paris, France. Well, all over France, but we hear a lot in Paris. They're actually pushing for a referendum initiated by citizens. It's called RIC, which is exactly what we're saying with electronic town halls. These are all, uh, umbrella groups. Uh, I've also done a recently a couple interviews with Paul Feldman and Karina Lotz, who are co-founders of realdemocracymovement.org. Their website is realdemocracymovement.org. And so we're collaborating. We're looking at somehow we can have a convention or a meeting uh, to sit down and rationally work out these electronic town halls and the RIC referendums. I mean, they're all lockstep. They're all like walking um, together in this uh, big umbrella, and it's a worldwide movement. Uh, and there's people that we can you know, deal with 
to instead of pouring in the streets or even potentially where we're seeing, you know, the cars are burning or things are in our communities. Um, this is a way to meet that demand. And so there's a, a great need for that. They say with every entrepreneur, we need to satisfy a need. And so there's a tremendous need for this right now. And to, to let the rational sane ways to say, we're just going to, we have to do this. We have no choice. It's reached that point, that breaking point. I mean, the, the wealth inequality has gotten to be so ridiculous, both in the U S and worldwide. I, I saw in Brazil when I was there, uh, well, with my former girlfriend at the time, um, we were in Rio de Janeiro and a lot of the ultra billionaires, they only take helicopters uh, and they fly from place to place. And then in the building right below the helicopter, people living in the gutters in these little shacks, you know, favelas, they call them. And, you know, you can see that right from where the helicopter is. Uh, the ultra billionaires, uh, they don't trust any of the typical transportation methods. So they just fly in helicopters from one place to another. And so you see this huge contrast and all these things are going to start buckling in 2020. I guess my predictions are as the uh, protests heat up and I don't see them cooling off at any time. Um, you know, we're also calling on the planet is in, in a climate crisis right now that we've got to take use all our resources really to deal with the climate, um, deal with, you know, direct vote, direct democracy, that it's a beautiful thing that we have a solution here that a lot of other people have been working on. Because as we go to our communities like in L.A., uh, Ferguson, Missouri, uh, Baltimore, we see communities that have been decimated from various riots and things that have gone on over the recent years. And, you know, the, some of the parts of that community doesn't rebuild so we just want to offer a really sane, rational uh, way where people can be directly voting on the issues instead of just being stuck in the problem. And, and as a fellow talking head, I never wanted to be that talking head that was just always stuck in the problem. I want to be, you know, okay, here's our solution, and I'm going to keep pushing this, whether it's prison reform. I just interviewed four people about prison reform. We've got horrible prisons here. We've got the... We're the third most hated country in the world. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that. The U.S. is. We're incarcerating more people than any any place, even more than Russia and China. And, you know, and then these four horrible for-profit prisons. So, and then there's at least 80,000 people innocent in our prisons right now. And so we talk about all these things and we, you know, they're horrible. Um, people in the prison aren't giving these jail handbooks, I uh, learned that recently on an interview that they should be getting these handbooks, but they're, they're getting blocked from getting them. Many things like that. So it's pushed me to say, we got to do this. And uh, I've been very bold too. I put myself out as an unaffiliated third party write-in candidate for president. And my main project would be this great mandate for democracy and the push for electronic town halls at the local, state, national, and international levels. Uh, that eventually that we don't need our representatives anymore who are, are really our rulers. And we only have maybe 3,000 or so representatives that are really ruling over us and that we could bring them direct democracy in for the first time in our, our nations and even the world history. That's, that's, it's, all is a very interesting concept. And, and, um, it would be very, it would be really cool if we could, put that together how many people are involved with you in this are you kind of the founder or is is bob the founder who, who how many people are involved with this movement that's beginning 
Well, we've got several people interested. I, I'm actually, like I mentioned, Paul uh, and Karina in the UK, uh, their website is realdemocracymovement.org. And then Nick uh, in Canada, who I recently have met through, David. Um, so David Frank, uh, the exciting news is, um, and stay tuned for this, uh, there's a community um, I highly recommend interviewing with David Frank, too, at some point. Um, it's uh, Benson Harbor in uh, Michigan, near where he lives. I think he's like 30 miles from there. They've adopted the One Voice Now. His website is onevoicenow.org. And if you go to the How It Works section, you'll see how it works. So there's Bob Dunsmore. There's a lot of other people that are interested and uh, excited about this opportunity. Uh, uh, on January the 16th of 2020, I'm, I am going to the local Austin public broadcasting station to have this as a show, have electronic town halls, and then we can start, you know, looking at this. And I'm excited that there is a pilot community in Michigan. Um, and there's other people that are interested. They'll like it or they'll share it. Uh, and we're also proposing uh, conference calls twice a week on Sunday and, and uh, Tuesday, on Sunday night and Tuesday, after, I mean, on Sunday afternoon and then Tuesday night. We're just going to keep doing these ongoing calls. I've been looking for a really good conference call tool um, when it gets to having more like hundreds of people on the line. So we're just going to do this. We're going to, you know, this is not we're asking for permission. This is like we're demanding it. We're saying <laughs> we're just going to do it, you know, because this is not something that if we just say, oh, I want permission, it's not going to work. Um, I really uh, support uh, the great mandate for democracy and people read it. They can see we've got some beautiful ideas on uh, cutting corporate personhood, uh, regenerative agriculture, um, many other things of oh, ending the electoral college. Uh, there's a lot of things that we have that will just simply go away. I mean, there's no point in electoral college anymore. If we're focusing on voting for people instead of, uh, I mean, voting for the issues instead of voting for people who maybe will help or maybe not, you know, if we, that completely transforms that, the, the, Two of the largest corporations and brands in the world are the Democrat and the Republican parties. And that would go away too, um, that we can vote directly on these issues instead of constantly worrying about, it's more of a celebrity thing too, that these people that we're putting in, um, it would completely flatline, uh, so many things and people around the water cooler instead of saying, which D or which R did you vote for? Or, you know, what, what did you think about this? What, what somebody tweeted out on this latest post, they'd be talking at the water cooler about uh, what, how did you feel about, you know, the air quality that we voted uh, or the EPA that we, we just voted on, or we voted, uh, what about the property tax? Uh, you know, that we're only going to tax people who have a second house and the first house they're exempt from property tax. You know, we'll be talking about things like that at the water cooler at work instead of uh, what, what D or what R Democrat or Republican we voted for. You know, I never thought when I was growing up, because I, uh, I, I go all the way back to when Linda Johnson was president. I remember watching some of his speeches. So, and actually even John Kennedy. So I'm, I'm a little older than you. So I remember those guys and I remember all of the prestige and honor of the office of the presidency of the United States. I didn't think I'd ever see a YouTube video of a future president of the United States in a professional wrestling match. But I did. <laughs> I have now. And so, and you're right about the celebrity of, we just elected a man who has no business being in charge of the free world. 
And, uh, and it would make a lot more sense if we had more sense and could, and because as an example, in your system, uh, Hillary would be president because she had three million more votes than Trump did. Um, how have you guys fleshed out a, a lot of the uh, uh, details of how this would work, or is this kind of a broad uh, uh, spectrum idea, and then you'll work on the details as you go along? Well, we've got some of the details, but part of it is having more people come up to the plate and, and join the organization that we could even vote on how the how this organizations would be run. Um, the biggest thing that can be impactful is to focus on the local, um, at least at first. But I, I'd see that this same, whether we would have four different databases that would hold all the voting, uh, whether they be in the cloud and they be encrypted, it would be like your banking app where you log into Bank of America or uh, Chase Manhattan or whatever your bank is. It would have the, the strongest security on it, and it could also easily have like a vote uh, a picture of your vote that was be stored in the cloud as well, so people could even count up all the votes to to verify them using optical character recognition. There's great technology out there to make it so that um, right now when we all go to vote, we're just we don't even know what we, we just you know we push some buttons and and we walk away. There's no transparency that we don't really fully understand what we're doing when when we get that little sticker that says I voted. You know at the end of the day, so. And, you know, they, we have all this great technology and people are already voting on like dancing with the stars or, uh, oh, sure. voting people on or off an island, you know. So if we have streaming content 24 seven, people will get excited before, about it. And it's not going to be a full time job where you have to sit there eight hours a day and, and look at all the issues. Cause once the issues are resolved, we move on to the next thing. Um, you know, people are spending two or three hours a day right now on Facebook alone. I mean, there's a tremendous amount of time that's spent in so the world of social media. And a lot of it is about the complaining and the um, more of the negative side of the spectrum of like what's broken, the ranting. There's a lot of rant shows out there now too about just, you know, that, that are celebrating what's broken. But um, this is the kind of program and we are looking for more celebrities and more people that want to get behind this. Because I, I emphasize, this is not David Frank's movement. This is not Daniel Roy Barron's movement. This is not Bob Dunsmore's movement. This is humanity's movement. This is not our organization. You know, and that's when we get into difficulties. And and some of the things I've learned in the Looking Glass Shattered book that I, um, what I was writing about is even our language can uh, be about more of division. When we talk about things like mine, they, theirs, ours, a lot of the original indigenous languages, like the uh, aboriginal languages, they didn't have that concept you know if you had water and you lived in a ubuntu uh, hut and i love the word uh, ubuntu also which is about sharing uh you would have a cup of water that everybody would sip from you know and you didn't have uh, even some of these original languages you didn't have ownership or uh things that were talking about mine or they or theirs and so you know these are all beautiful ideas uh you know heartmindalliance.com is the technologies uh to for all communities around the world, either low or little cost to build houses, filter water, uh, purification, solar, all these great ideas. And then uh, One Voice Now is a system that we can all be voting 24-7 in the convenience of our own house. And we could also have brick and mortar town halls to back that up as well. Uh, but, you know, the job of the mayor and the city council who they're ruling over like millions, uh, whether it's 
city like Dallas or Austin here, it's like a million where I live, uh, you know, they're ruling over us. They're not our representatives, but the, these are humanities projects. They're not mine. They're, you know, and, and these are legacy. Of, these are people that are have children and grandchildren. You know, I have five nieces and nephews who are kind of like my grandchildren or, you know, that I want to leave something. This There's the concept of the uh, Native American, which I love a lot of the indigenous teachings that we can go back to in these days. Uh, it's called the seventh generation. And that's really saying, you know, we got to let's leave something better for our seventh generation. And, and what that word really means is our children and our grandchildren. You know, like, what are we leaving? What's our legacy? And so the I, leave, these are beautiful websites. These are beautiful efforts that all these people have been doing that we're all looking to collaborate. I mean, we're looking to bring this out to a, we're working to really bring this to a much larger uh, umbrella. I've been reaching out to here in Austin, the Justice Coalition, Austin Justice Coalition, a great group, the ACLU, um, American Civil Liberties Union. The uh, We're also reaching out to Black Lives Matter, um, uh, LGBTQ. Uh, my background is Unitarian Universalist, and I grew up in the church in the 1970s, and I'm really honored and privileged that I've been around a lot of advocates and activists from uh, disability rights. Uh, I've been surrounded by a lot of really uh, heroic and amazing people, and I'm doing the best I can to honor their legacy and step forward with my backpack on for my own metaphorical journey, uh, and especially in the last nine years, it's really been on steroids of, like, stories and places, and, you know, just walking forward and seeing how how to bring all these how do we bring all these various groups in hey, you know a couple things first of all is somebody are you still there daniel yes okay good um <laughs> you never know sometimes uh, a couple things if somebody wants to find out more about this movement your the movement i guess i should call it the movement and uh, join it how do they do that well, you're welcome to call me. I, I I just put my number out. I just uh three two three four nine six seven six four nine. Um my email is R O Y B A R O N at live dot com. Roy Barron. Or if you go to etownhalls.com, dot com, you'll see the join our movement uh link there and you'll see uh videos with both David Frank and myself and Bob Dunsmore, uh, you can see all 33 mandates uh, that clearly cut the corporatocracy from the U.S. for the uh, for the first time in our history. Because you know, we 1776, we got rid of one uh, corporation, the British Tea Corporation, and now we've got so many other corporations that are pulling our strings. It's it's time for a we the people, a real democracy. And I salute the. Uh, the idea of electronic town halls, that this is what we've all been looking for, that is a sane, rational, uh, good way to come together. And we would be voting on the processes and procedures. One of the things I want to quickly say, too, as we wrap it up, uh, my background is quality assurance. So I've got 20 years, and I really salute the ideas of Six Sigma, ISO 9000, management by objective, scrum, Agile, and these are probably alien terms to your audience because they uh -huh. quality. They are to me. You know, they're 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 like talking from an alien ship. But I, I guess what I want to emphasize is, at the end of the day, they're about bringing a proactive government in instead of reactive. You know how we're always just reacting to things, and that's pretty much says what we do. We react to hurricanes instead of being proactive to them. And so why I love the all these ideas because they're all QA. They're all like 
quality. And so people can study these. These are just ways to have better organizations. And I would go so far as, I, even though I said my name was like a CEO of E-Town Halls, I guess I would rather say I'm like a CQO, Chief Quality Officer, because I, I know the value of quality. And um, right now in, in any of our debates and our talk, nobody's uh, rising by the the uh, ra- rising the uh, flag of quality at the highest flagpole, you know, saying we desperately need quality because the military recently just stole $21 trillion. There's a really good Lee Camp uh, video on Russia Today that was really interesting about how $21 trillion was just stolen. And military is just lying to Congress, and that's not quality. So if we had uh, Six Sigma black belts, for example, and Six Sigma is just another quality process that's really good that is, is highly recommended, um, you wouldn't see these kinds of things because, uh, you know, that's that's also a big part of what, government is lacking right now and I, I've been pushing that as an agenda for a long time because I'm not hearing other people talk about the importance of quality. Now before before we go too much farther I want to double back a little bit because uh, you've kind of glossed over a little bit but I'm sitting here and I've got uh, um, um, Amazon up and your book Looking Glass Shattered uh, Cubicle Commando to Real Democracy Leader it gets five stars. It's got a bunch of rate. It's got a bunch of ratings on it, and they and some of them are very, very complimentary as to who you are, the heart you have beating in your chest, and what you're looking to accomplish for the world. So I hi- highly recommend it. Now that's what will be on uh, my independence report. Uh, you'll be able to uh, uh, look at the cover of that book, and then you can find it on on uh, Amazon, and you might want to read that book. Uh, you know, Daniel did that, uh, way back in, uh, let's see, it was published in 14, I believe. And, uh, it's, uh, it's a really, it, it, you know, it was, uh, um, 2011. And I think, I think, so, so get that book, Looking Glass Shattered. If you're interested in the subject matter, if you're interested in changing our democracy, and making it better for everyone, that would be a great place to start. And then go to uh, Daniel's site, which is E-Town Halls. You can sign up there and or get more information about any 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 of the things that we've been talking about, including maybe some uh, uh, some uh, uh, definitions of all those acronyms he just ran off, and I have no idea what he was talking about, but that's okay. Uh, I'll, I'm learning as well. So, uh, Daniel, so we've got that, and we've, and we've got a place for people to go to look at your work and what you're doing. What do you envision the future to hold for you now? Well, one of the things I want to emphasize is that that book, Looking Glass Shattered, is a very unusual book. I actually just recently updated it again. Um, if you go to check it out, you'll see a lot of updates. Uh, I also have a website called realdemocracy.info, which was originally until I really felt uh, compelled to create the also the etownhalls.com. Uh, uh, we're looking for other people that want to uh, create content or uh, you know journalistic articles. Um, I've actually just recently interviewed uh, Michael Hilliard in Australia, a journalist there, and I saw he's in some country now on Facebook. I just caught that today. Some Northern Moldova, a, a rebel republic. I'm not quite sure how to even pronounce that country, but it's a, it's interesting that people get to meet. He has a podcast called the Red Line Podcast um, in Australia. Um, it's just, it is amazing. And I met all these people like Bob and David through uh, Facebook. And I met David Frank and Bob Dunsmore, um, many others. Um, been reaching out to, um, just interviewed 
Gloria Woods and did her, I was on her show, which is coming out in a few days called Broken Shackles, uh, about prison reform has been her. She has a daughter who's been in prison for 10 years and she wrote the book called Broken Shackles. Uh, people can see references to these books and, and understanding um, on the uh, etownhalls.com. Uh, the looking glass shatter though is almost like what makes it unique is it, it's changed as I've changed and I kept rewriting it. And I really, even the current version is di very different than the one in 2011. Um, and you know, it's just been a labor of love for me for many years. And I uh, just recently interviewed Mark Landau, who has a great book too. I want to mention called uh, a new uh, American evolution. And he uses the word evolution, which is very key to that. And he's saying that well, it's time for us to live in the higher chakras that we've really been uh, dominated by this patriarchal lower chakra uh, kind of waves. And uh, I highly recommend his book and interviewing him, Mark Landau, great, one of my friends who I talk with uh, a lot too. He's he's also uh, referring a lot of other great organizations like the Leap Manifesto. Um, they've got 15 mandates, similar to the great mandate for democracy uh, involving with uh, regenerative agriculture. You know, all these great groups, um, I do even recommend represent.us and Michael Douglas, has, uh, the actor, has a very impassioned uh, plea for getting rid of corruption. Although the only thing I've found on his that I would correct is he doesn't nail the corporatocracy or the corporation. He he does a good job and it's a very passionate speech about the future. I, I like what Michael Douglas says, but I, I just would call him out on that. Why didn't you nail the corporation? That's a whole other thing. Uh, I think as we go uh, forward into 2020, uh, we're going to see a lot more protests. We're going to see a lot more uprisings, uh, but we're, you know, let's look at all these great books and ideas. Um, you know, I really like the a new American evolution. I've read the book that Mark Landau wrote um, and he really does a great job of nailing what the problem is, but he also at the end, he points to all these solutions, like ideas like let's have open meditation and teach our kids meditation. And I've seen the beauty of that personally because I was at the, uh, I spent time 10 days silent meditation retreat at Vipassana, which is a, it's a free place. People can go if you can't afford to go. I know it's hard to take 10 days off, but it, it was a beautiful thing. I had to surrender all my social media and I just did a 10 day silent meditation uh, and it was really beautiful. And I, I try to meditate every day when I can, or at least even if it's just five minutes or three minutes. Um, I think, uh, I guess as far as going forward in the year, I try to uh, be like an octopus or, you know, like I've got many arms and I try to bring all these other people into what I'm doing and, and saying that, you know, we all are part of this oneness of the universe. We're all part of this great consciousness, this cosmic, uh, you know, understanding this cosmic uh, intelligence is um, unbelievable. Uh, some of my inspirations have been Eckhart Tolle, uh, Alan Watts. Um, I'm reading uh, Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg again, and I went to one of the group meetings here in Austin recently, which is great, and uh, I've been communicating with some of the people in the group, and um, also The Art of Living is the book about Vipassana, which I highly recommend, uh, and also Anastasia, uh, Anastasia, um, uh, it's called the Ringing uh, Cedar Trees uh, series, um, and that's uh, sparking a, a huge movement in Russia where people are leaving the cities in, in mass, and by uh, Putin is offering a hectare of land 
and people are going back to the countryside and living in eco-villages. And they're talking a lot about the indigo and the star child uh, children in that. There's a really great, I'll have to send you a link to that video. I just saw Mark Landau has been highly recommending Anastasia, the book, uh, the Ringing Cedar uh, series. Uh, these cedar trees that have really powerful spiritual um, and so people are going back to live the old ways in these villages and these schools the kids are going there and they love it because they're not being bossed around the kids are doing like dancing and um, celebrating um, so we're seeing a, a, a fundamental shift in what a lot of these other people have been predicting for many years about that the old systems are crashing down and that you know that we'll see this I, these ideas of really uh, from what I've read indigo and star child star seed child that we all are indigo and star seed child all seven billion are that once we start vibrating at the higher chakras and even if we say things about Trump or you know these are kind of like people that are from the old ways these are ancient people these are just people that haven't been down the right path maybe they needed like ayahuasca or uh, Bufu virus, which I recently tried for the first time, these, uh, these powerful, uh, medicines from the jungle to help us get back to the higher frequencies. But I, I, am very optimistic for the future. I do see that we'll see more people shift out of the old chakra ways and get to the higher chakra frequencies. Um, as we start seeing some of the, the biggest challenges we have over these super storms and the climate, uh, the melting Arctic ice, we're going to see a lot of people uh, swoop up to really show that we all are uh, indigo. We're all star seed child, all seven billion of us. Well, you know, it's inter interesting that uh, you bring up and talk about meditation a little bit, because I'm I'm in my little world in my little podcast, uh, my independence report. And if you want to go to that, well, you're here, you're listening to this. You must be already there. Never mind. Um, but. One of the early ones that I, early podcasts that I put up, I had a guided meditation that we did way back in 2001. And it's a 30 minute guided meditation. And, um, it had, I, I, and I just threw it up there just because I just wanted to put it up there and I didn't expect it to do anything or anybody to listen to it. It has been downloaded, uh, in three months over 800 times. Now keep in mind that I have not, uh, marketed this until very recently or done any of that it's by far and away the number one podcast on my site and it's because people are searching people are looking for something better we are tired of negativity hate division and fear and we want to live in the light we want to live in a loving way and people are really searching for ways to get that done that's one of the reasons why this podcast exists is because and in the very opening I say that I'm declaring my independence from hate, division, and fear. And that is what has ruled our planet for a very long time. And I'm so pleased, Daniel, that people like you are putting yourselves out there in a very positive way to change the dynamic from one of being negative to one of being positive and all working together. And, oh, by the way, we are all one. That's not a theory. That's not a, a, a hoity-toity thing. It is the truth. We are all one individual. We are all together. And we need to start acting like it and, and get rid of the tribalism that is out there now that, that, um, that we love our, uh, the people who agree with us and we hate the people that disagree with us. 
and we have to move together. So I'm really pleased that that of what you're doing and that that you found me to uh, interview you about all of uh, what's happening. And I, I intend to uh, continue to do this. And um, and if you are listening to this, and please put in the comment sections uh, how you, you would like me to move forward with this information um, and on an ongoing basis, because I think 2020 is going to be, by the way, 2020 means tw- perfect vision. I think that 2020 is going to be a year where we are going to see and begin to attain perfect vision. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, that's great. Uh, Also, people can start wherever you are, really, even in the world. uh, People can sign the great mandate for democracy. If they're not in the U.S., they can put a zip code in. You know, I can just choose any zip code. One of the things I want to emphasize is that Bob Dunsmore's uh, Great Mandate for Democracy is part of moveon.org, that website. Move On actually is from the Occupy. Um, that came from that. That was a direct, uh, the website came about somewhere. I need to look up the exact dates and the history, but that came around, you know, that was really heating up around 2011 in this country uh, and so forth, and that, or 2012, and kind of in that time period, people were so disgusted with the banks, um, these too big to fail 2007 2008 you know that time frame and there's just been so much discussed and then you know we learn so much from our sisters and brothers in other countries and how they do things like in iceland they just want the banks fail and we're seeing some good results of that and then in portugal we see they've uh decriminalized drugs and legalized them and we're seeing tremendous differences in portugal uh for example and then in uh Netherlands, we and Norway and Finland and these countries, we see how they love. They have great, beautiful programs to help people uh, have housing. And if you've got no money, um, they have social workers. They have good quality food that they serve people. They have so much better services um, than what we have here in the U.S. And we are we're supposedly the largest economy in the world, and that we can do so much better. I mean, just the state of California alone is the uh, fifth largest economy in the world, just the state of California. And Texas, where I'm calling in from, is the eighth largest economy in the world. And no matter what programs that we have uh, now and what we see, um, you know, we will, we have to go to like Medicare for all. And, you know, because there's so much uh, wealth in this country and it's that it's so much is just being siphoned on by the 1%, the billionaires, the ultra uber wealthy that are avoiding taxes and not even uh, like the Amazon is not even paying for our infrastructure and they're getting, you know, tons of tax write-offs and so many people are on welfare who are working for either Amazon or Walmart. Um, and then people are even using food stamps at Walmart. So Walmart's getting like a triple whammy, you know, corporate subsidies. So it's calling uh, a lot, uh, shining a bright light on what's broken, but let's get to the solution as quickly as we can um, and, you know, also declare that the climate is in crisis and, and just do all our available resources to help uh, restore this climate. And, you know, we can all focus on the word pollution, that nobody wants pollution. And even a Republican or conservative would say pollution is bad. And so when we talk about that, I always try to include that also, that it's not just the climate crisis or the the global warming. You know, it's all of that, but it's also pollution and even if someone's a denier of the climate uh problem they can still they should be against uh uh pollution uh you know because we can all come together with some of these terms and you know you think yeah you think although some of them are they make absolutely no sense in 
in in what they say about uh, global warming, which is a hot button issue, because my, I have a 18 month old granddaughter, and the world that she is going to inherit is going to be so much different than the world that exists today, and we've got to hurry if we're going to even have a shot at at saving our planet uh, from global warming and also some of the other things. So uh, it's 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 amazing that anybody in this day and age can actually say that global warming is a myth. It doesn't make any sense to me. But there's a lot of stuff that's going on, Daniel, that doesn't make sense to me. So go to uh, um, uh, Daniel's website, which is um, uh, Electronic Town Halls. And, uh, and is it, when, what's the web address again? Uh, you can go to etownhalls.com. Um, and it's you can find me on Twitter, uh, Instagram under Daniel Roy Baron, B-A-R-O-N. And I emphasize that you know, my original birth name was actually Wiggler. And I... I changed it because I was picked on in high school. So I I also have that hashtag called Wiggler Baron 2020. You know, it's the idea that wiggle up all the barons around the world so they start helping people again. You know, so it's, you know, that it, I kind of stumbled into that name because it was my grandmother's last name. And when I went to change my name in the court, I, uh, B-A-R-O-N, and then I learned it was actually Bara Bon from Europe. Uh, the, well, the Ukraine is where she was from. And my understanding is that it was changed to Baron um, by an immigration. Uh, uh, some of our names were changed. But I guess my my name that I feel like is my most free name is Backpack. And then I do write a lot about my book about the spiritual number 333 has really been following me a lot. And then in some ways I feel like maybe that's my real name because I feel like all these names that I have had, Daniel, Wiggler, Baron, Roy, that these are all just names that relate back to different texts and stuff of maybe my real name is really 333. And um, I even tried to change it at one point on Facebook, but they didn't like that. <laughs> nope. Um, they they want you to have these other names, but I, I feel like underneath it all, those are kind of like slave names that they're not really my real name. They're related to a Bible or, you know, maybe they were, mean the word king or whatever. But I, I think deep down, they don't really necessarily, you know, what is our name, you know, and especially when we uh, embrace terms like oneness. I, I, I do have to say that I was compelled by Mike Tyson, the famous uh, boxer who took Bufu virus. It's a poisonous toad that lives in Sonora. The secretion of the toad is made into a powder and you smoke it. And I, I tried it for the first time in um, when I was in Cancun recently, and I did have a near-death experience. It did I, I struggled and I fought when I, when I first breathed it in and I was on the ocean. It was a beautiful setting. The sun was coming up. We got up early and I was with a, a guide there who had the medicine and I tried it and I, it really did do a, a complete cut, uh, from my life in a way. And then I was struggling so hard. I remember feeling painful, like trying to hold on to life. And then when I died, I, I did like become one with the universe. And so it was a way to like, uh, have a precursor to when that happens in my real life eventually. And I'm, I have another friend on Facebook who had, it's called NDE near death experience. And for me, it was very profound and it really did open up this, it felt really freeing and it, it did feel like um, whatever years I have left to try to do the best I can uh, with my knowledge and try to be a better teacher, put down my backpack and look to do more public speaking in the future, how to, rise up all these projects and uh and to to really live and and see the words of of oneness and so 
I'm just saying that that medicine that I tried really did get me into the, uh, it changed my brain chemistry to be in that oneness uh, uh, feeling this. And I did go through certain things like uh, rituals and chanting. And I, I even still, I like to chant sometimes. And usually the chanting is about like, why are people hungry in the world? And um, I went through a period where I was felt like I was at the garden of Adam and Eve that this whole planet is. And I was in the, in the woods and chanting and I was naked and feeling really uh, connected with earth and uh, also cleaning up the uh, water. And then I did get arrested and I spent seven days in a mental facility. I, I like to tell that story because if I was in India or other countries and you're chanting naked, it's, it's not uncommon, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you're just, you're doing a vision quest. That's basically what I've been doing uh, for the last nine years. But I'm, I'm proud Uncle of Dan. that. I, I look at, I'm really proud of what I went through because it's like the eightfold Buddha. I just felt like I look at it as a, a very, uh, it's just things that I had to go through. I, it's a very positive way to look at uh, having to go through things like that. And I try to bring this up in conversations, uh, but it also speaks to uh, our system being upside down. Like, why are everybody calling the cops on everybody? Why did someone call the cops on me? You know, and I, I had to get down on the ground, you know, immediately because I was like, I knew I didn't want to get shot by the cops or deal with that sort of stuff. But and then uh, the other people I met in the mental facility, they had no business in there. One lady even they threw her in there because she had check marked on a form or she told someone that she had contemplated suicide and and uh, her husband was about breaking down the door he was trying to get her out of there just because she said the wrong thing and she's thrown in there and i learned that they're actually throwing more and more people in there they're just coming up with ideas because it's a for-profit mental facility and you know so some of the things i've had to go directly through i want to bring attention to that and uh i will say uh, quickly i guess wrapping up is that my girlfriend was deported at the time uh, back to Brazil, and that's how I ended up going to Brazil to be with her for six months. Um, we've kind of moved on from each other, but it's uh, it's been, I hope to stay in touch with her and help her life however I can. But she was treated horribly in the deportation camps here, like three days, horrible food, seven cameras on her when she was in the bathroom, handcuffed. And she had a 10-year visa and she was here on Accenture. She's a technical trainer, you know, for a good job. And she was just simply trying to renew her visa on the date it was due, uh, going into from Tijuana into the San Diego uh, side. And uh, we learned that was a mistake, of course, now since she should have just renewed it in the San Diego, um, you know, center to, to get it there. Um, but, you know, I've had to go through all these things and learned a lot. And then I learned a lot when I was in Brazil and how Bolsonaro um, and the Amazon is getting destroyed, you know, by for agribusiness. I'm really, I was hoping Haddadi would be president of Brazil, but, uh, um, you know, I, I learned a lot of different things like that, like about the politics and how people are living um, in Brazil. And it was a good experience overall. And I miss uh, a lot of uh, the family that I, I have back in Brazil. Um, but I, I really learned how, uh, you know, how the world works a lot by strapping on the backpack and traveling. And I feel like it's my duty now to tell, teach people to be more of a teacher and to say that, you know, we all go through these eightfold Buddha path. We all go through these, these challenges, these things that we have that they use the word Dhamma or Tama and, uh, in India, like the, the challenges and, and how to look at it as just as a positive spin, you know, to say that, you know, I just had to go through these things and, and they're good. They're good experiences. 
Yeah, they are. They are. And well, and you have been, you have called yourself to do this, to learn this so that you can then impart it to other people. And I applaud you for that. There, there aren't a lot of folks that are going to go do that and then come back and really try and generate uh, a conversation about a new way of being, which is what is in the spiritual world. People like Neil Donald Walsh and, and Gary Zukoff and others have Marianne Williamson, who was running for president, as a matter of fact, uh, and others that they have been saying for a long time that we are, that the spiritual um, component of us is going to raise our vibration and we are going to move into a new state, a new place, a new way of being. Um, and then, of course, we have what's going on now, which seems like that is farther away than anything. But uh, people like you can turn it around and make it happen. So I really applaud you for that. By the way, we've been talking with Daniel Backpack Roy Barron, and he is a uh, author, and he is a, uh, um, I guess that you would be a, uh, uh, what's the word I want to use? A, uh, uh, activist. That's the word. And he's, he's a wonderful guy. So I hope that uh, you will go. If you want to give him a call directly, and you can. Uh, Daniel, what's your number again? Uh, 323 496 7649. And it, you can email me also at RoyBaron at live.com. It's R-O-Y-B-A-R-O-N at live.com. And great to be on your show. Thanks so much, Kevin. I look forward to uh, let me know when you're available and we'll set it up. We'll get you on uh, e-town halls, electronic town halls, uh, powered by We the People for Real Democracy for the first time. I just want to emphasize something, too. We throw that word democracy around. The U.S. has never been a democracy. We've never had direct vote. Even this representative government that we have, this is not a democracy. Um, we have great technology. Uh, the people in Athens, Greece could only dream of this amazing technology, and people are voting on Dancing with the Stars. They're voting uh, people on and off the island. They're voting on these cooking shows. All these different shows, people are voting now. And, and we can even look at modern-day Facebook as a vote when people are posting different articles or ideas. And the comments are actually voting on whether you like it, you don't like it, maybe you're neutral on it, or you know you're cheering that person on, or you're, or, or you know we even have that trolling thing. Uh, one of the brilliant things that I want to emphasize that David has, uh, David Frank from OneVoiceNow.org, and and which gave me the idea that you know my legacy, I'd like to be known as the person who really brought electronic town halls into reality for the first time in in human history. Uh, you know, is that when you sign a petition, um, there's a beautiful petition going out in California, and I want to emphasize this is great news. Um, a gentleman, McAllister, he, he spent $3 million. He's a real estate investor who um, he took it upon himself. Uh, he got 600,000 votes, uh, and they actually are going to have a new tick mark on the browser. And I guess it's only valid for California, but it's a step forward where social media won't have the right to sell your information. And so there's a really great uh, frontline documentary called AI. Uh, if you just search on, it's on YouTube, called AI and Frontline, about artificial intelligence. And so he, they uh, talk about that in the video and many other things that are really important that we should know about the, uh, uh, the what, where's AI going. Um, you know, so the idea of McAllister, though, that he needed 3 million to get 600,000 signatures in it, they, it got passed overwhelmingly 
in the California State House, and it's going to go on our uh, be a tick mark a setting on our browser in 2020 in January, which is great. That's great news, but it, it shows that most people don't have three million to either initiate or, or bring change uh, at the local, state, national, or international levels. But what we're proposing is now we do now we all do have a vote, and we can eventually move to fire our representatives and replace them with we're simply direct voting. And, you know, we didn't have this technology in Athens, Greece. You know, we didn't have all these great um, streaming uh, content now. And even since Ross Perot in 1992, we've seen, you know, tremendous advancements in technology that even he wouldn't have uh, imagined back in the 90s. Uh, you know, very quickly we've seen, you know, everybody's streaming. Uh, there's content. You know, there's richness to all this and that we can all be uh, looking at our issues directly. And we can, like I said earlier, discussing it at the water cooler, like substantial things like, you know, how how is your thought, thought about taxes or, you know, like, why can't we have a simple tax? You know, why why do we have 100,000 people in the IRS and these tax codes and things that just, you know, really don't make any sense to any of us, and, you know, and that. But David Frank, uh, I guess the number one, one of the many great points that he has um, in his website, onevoicenow.org, he says, I point out, point out the McAllister thing, 600,000 people voted for that, and it did get passed, and it, it became a reality thing um, in California, and it's, it's going to roll out in, in January of 2020. But one of the things that he points out, like if we're all voting, we'll also get to see the naysayers so it's even going beyond, beyond a referendum or initiative or a petition. Um, when we're voting on these issues, we'll get to see all the people who vote no and all the people that get to vote yes. And so that's a, that's a beautiful way to, to put it, you know, that we're not even doing that now with our referendums or initiatives or petitions. And at the state level, a lot of the state houses across, especially in the West, they're very supportive of these referendums, initiatives. But, of course, you've got to have hundreds of thousands of votes. And it's the same kind of concept of like if you wanted to raise a political party, because I actually went to do that, and I have a picture of that in my uh, book, Looking Last Shattered. I I started a compassion party here in Austin, Texas, and then I found out you need 50, at least fifty thousand signatures to actually start a new party. Because I was just curious to find out. But I I think that you know David's point that I really want to um, send home to the audience is that uh, with direct voting on issues directly we could see all the people who want who want to say no and all the people who want to say yes and how that takes things to another level even beyond just a uh, just a referendum initiative uh, you know that we can clearly see it you know we can definitely have a, a great document trail auditing backups um, uptime these are all you know where we have uh, multiple servers running the same data and if there's failover it goes to another server so we have uptime of like 0.001%, which is a lot of what Six Sigma is about, like I threw that word around, but being up all the time or as close to real time because you've got contingency plans, you've got backups, you've got data integrity, you've got um, all these beautiful words uh, that represent quality. And we move from a reactive government to proactive. We're actually bringing up ideas and things you know, let's say six months before the hurricane season that we're already organizing, we're preparing. We're not just going to say, okay, a hurricane hits and then we do something. We're going to say no six months before. We're going to um, look at what we're going to do preventive and proactive, not just react. And that's 
and not just kick the can down the road, but permanent fixes, you know, that it's because there's a, it's not going to be based on money and, you know, the whole idea of kick the can down the road or patching up things until the next year, uh, just patching it up, going, um, you know, we just saw this budget bill that was passed in the Congress. It's horrible from what I've read and that nobody's really reading these bills. They're so huge. There's so many uh, pages of text in there and nobody really understands them. Um, I, I know a lot of people would say Six Sigma, ISO 9000, none of this stuff makes sense to me, but, um, you know, but look at what we're passing right now. They're all uh, run by lawyers. They're all run by corporations writing our bills and they're um, and controlled by lobbyists. Um, we're so far removed from uh, we the people, direct vote um, with integrity, with transparency, with ethics and morality. That you know, we we finally get you know to what we've all been, uh, and we've got the great technology that they would have loved to have had in Greece. That's true, and and it, if we if you could figure out a way, because it, it there are lots and lots and lots and lots of details involved with completely changing a system around. But if you could do it in a fair way that was positive and that positively impacted everyone and we could all work together for the common good, and everybody was excited about it. Let me give you an example. This last election, half of the voting population did not vote. A 100 million people did not vote. How would that all by itself, if all those people voted, how would that change the dynamic of the election cycle itself and who was elected and what what we would, as a country, really care about? Because half the country is so apathetic and thinks the system is so badly broken, they don't even want to vote. They don't even bother with it. I ask people all the time, are do, are you following what's going on with our government? No, that's just a pain in the ass, and I'm just not interested. i got better things to do. Well, eventually they're going to have to pay attention. But So, you know, your point is valid that we need a system that everybody participates, and it's a, it's an important piece that everybody participates because a hundred million people not voting is just not acceptable. Yeah, that's true. One of the things I would emphasize too, with this uh, electronic town hall that we could do, which is incredible when you think about it, I think there's going to be a minute changes. We can come up with a template of how, and one voice now does a good job of at least putting a template out and we can even use touch phone, uh, our touch phone, uh, phone calls to call. Even if we don't have, we can still be voting. And even if someone, Unfortunately, it's sleeping in a tent uh, under the interstate, uh, which we would quickly fix because we'd have really good humane uh, shelters that aren't full. Like in Austin right now, all the shelters are full, but they could go to the local public library and vote. But I want to I want to give a really good example of what I think why this is desperately needed. Um, there was a really sad story recently about uh, and it was it happened in Dallas, Texas. Uh, it was a. a really sad story where a neighbor uh, called the cops um, on uh, because the front door was open uh, for his next door neighbor and the cops showed up and unfortunately the lady of the house was killed. She was just shot and killed. And, and so it speaks to many levels of what uh, direct vote could immediately swoop in on this and, and immediately make changes and say, like number one um, issue is why is everybody just simply calling the cops on everybody? I mean that's a we can all. I just recently went to uh, watch that beautiful movie, uh, "Won't You Be My Neighbor," with uh, you know the whole thing about uh, 
you know, Tom the, Hanks. That, that move. What's that? Yeah, with Tom Hanks, and you know, what a beautiful movie, and and Jim Neighbors, you know, in his life, and uh, but you know, so we all have to ask that question too, as far as responsibility for ourselves. Like, why is everybody calling the cops? So that particular incident it was in uh, Fort, uh, what was it Fort near in in Dallas, but it was one of the cities in around Dallas, Fort Fort uh, Fort Wayne. Um, but I, th- I think I'm forgetting quite a, the the name of that town, but. Um, you know, at first, you know, so the first issue right there is, okay, the person's calling the cops. Why, why doesn't he go over personally and see why the person's front door is just left wide open? And then the second one, of course, is huge is like, why would the cop even think about shooting this person? You know, and it does speak to the idea, like even cops today, like, why should they have guns at certain stop, you know, like. Why should they have guns in the courthouses and things? And it's so intimidating. People are afraid to even speak with the police now because they're more military. You know, it's this military police industrial complex. Um, and some of the police are law enforcement. They no longer, it's no longer a peace officer. And the difference is they're to serve and protect the corporation. They're not to serve and protect the people anymore. Um, we've left that behind by the Supreme Court decision 2005 that gave the rights to corporations to be personhood. And so that's one of the top things that the great mandate for democracy is not only can it get rid of, uh, we can go back to peace officers where they're just serving to protect the people. Um, we could be directly voting to even say, should a police officer always just have a gun? And maybe they shouldn't have a gun when they go up to uh, somebody's doors open. You know, do they need to have a gun with them? You know, and these are really out of the box ideas, but why not? Um, other countries don't have guns. You know, when they go on patrol, their police, like in England, they don't have guns. Um, and, you know, that to teach things like in our police academies, like NVC, nonviolent communication and verbal judo, that's another great book called Verbal Judo that every police officer should hopefully read where they don't have to go to one of their tool belts. And, you know, um, one of the things I want to emphasize, which is really out of the box, is that as we go in this day and age, and it seems like almost every other movie that we're going to see is like Star Wars or Iron Man, Batman, Superman, all these like superheroes. And, you know, we're, we're getting pumped in the air that we have all these heroes now. And what electronic town halls would be like all 340 million people in the U.S. And hopefully this will take spark and be all over the world. We're the superheroes. It's the 340 million of us, and it's humanity. I've had this idea for a long time because I'm not religious. But to, if people took all the ancient religious texts and simply wherever it says God, just replace it with the word humanity, you know, and say the, this is who's really driving us. This, we've been given free will. You know, we are um, on this earth. And, you know, however we feel about it, it's an interesting perspective to say, the real superheroes are the 340 million in the U.S. And I do want to emphasize one other person. I want to interview her again. One of my favorite interviews and people that I, I do like to mention is Dr. Christine Neff. She has a website called self-compassion.org. Uh, great person to interview. She's here in uh, University of Texas. I had interviewed her several years ago, but one of the things that emphasizes is that we also have to have figure figure out ways to have compassion for ourselves. And a lot of these superheroes we see they're always running around having compassion for all these other people, putting out fires and fighting for things. And, you know, um, you know, one of her things was um, she was on, she has an autistic child and she was on an airplane 
at 10,000 feet or 30,000 feet and the child was screaming and having a, um, a, a fit and she was able to calm herself and then calm her child. And, you know, everybody on the airplane, of course, is looking at her and, you know, having to deal with this, you know, really difficult situation. But one of the things that self-compassion.org can do is like if the uh, mask comes down on the airplane, we have to put it on ourselves and then we start putting it on, on other people. And so that word compassion is a lot more um, complicated, you know, once we leave the cave and just meditating and praying for, like, say, 20 years. We've probably all been monks. It's some past life that we've all had. And, you know, now that we're living in these cities and with this new structure, um, to have some blended, balanced way where we're having compassion for communities, but also compassion for ourselves. And so that's a that's a beautiful website for people to go check out also. And we've been talking with Daniel Roy Backpack. Well, actually, it's Daniel Backpack Roy Barron. And go to his website again. Give him a call. Go to um, uh, the website again, Daniel, is? You can go to etownhalls.com. Um, and you can also uh, find me on, uh, if you go to Face Triage, that's the name of the media company that I've been working on. I'm also looking to create some documentaries, movies, and, and entertainment content from directly from the backpack experience. I've got a lot of great ideas and great projects looking to do um, in the upcoming year. I'd want to stay busy. Um, and also, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, under Daniel Roy Barron, uh, and it's 1-R-B-A-R-O-N. And uh, you might find me also as Wiggler, uh, D. Wiggler Barron. Uh, sometimes I go by D also. And uh, Wiggler, you know, because I want to emphasize that my first name was Wiggler, and you know, I'm not necessarily a fan of the word Baron, but it's a, it's an interesting take on it to combine those words Wiggler Baron and see how we can go back. Uh, you know, let's focus on uh, wealth inequality and let's focus on gross national happiness, which is actually written in the Constitution of both Bolivia and um, uh, do. It's also in. Uh, uh, Bhutan, the country in Asia, they actually have a gross national happiness. Let's move away from uh, how the stock market's doing or the gross domestic product, and let's think about gross national happiness. Let's think about things like how beautiful meditation is and how we've got so many beautiful tools of, of being compassionate and loving and peaceful And as we go into 2020. And uh, look to all these like great websites and people. You can also check out Mark-Landau. It's L-A-N-D-A-U. He was actually for five years with the Maharishi uh, uh, who brought Transcendental Meditation. He's a great person to uh, interview also. I've done a couple interviews with him uh, on his book called A New American Evolution. I love what he's writing. And um, uh, he also has a meditation on his website too that he's been working on. It's an eight-page meditation. I'm going to go check out your meditation and, and also Mark's. And uh, uh, there's a, a lot of different uh, things that can help people uh, get through the week that where they don't have to turn to alcohol or just to numb out that they can uh, stay connected um, and deal with pain and, and a lot of issues through through this meditation and, and different ways uh, of relaxation techniques. Well, I pr- applaud your efforts and what you're doing. <laughs> you said you want to keep busy. You have no idea how busy you're going to be here in the real near future. Uh, cause you're going to be a busy guy and which is, which is really good. And we need people who are activists 
who can do what you're doing and to make us, uh, if nothing else, to make us think about a, way, a better way of being. And I applaud you for that. We've been talking with uh, Daniel Roy Barron. And go uh, you review all this all this information that's on the podcast. Go to his stuff. Sign up and, uh, and and enjoy yourself. Daniel, anything that you'd like to add before we go? Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, I you know that it's been a labor of love for years to go through all these different things. Um, we can look uh, optimistically for the the positivity for the future. Um, we have a great article about Black Lives Matter and how important it is when you see the history of how African Americans have been treated. I mean, certainly we have to look at the 60 million Native Americans who, um, you know, have been annihilated uh, in the history of our of our country. Um, I think the biggest thing is how can we help fix the karma and fix the uh, both fix the karma of humanity and fix the karma of Mother Earth. I've offered, I've talked with other Black Lives Matter leaders about giving land that they would completely control in parts of the U.S. And maybe it could be in, in just various areas of the U.S. Uh, as far as reparations and community centers. Uh, there's a lot, that's going to roll out a lot too, is the whole reparations. I also believe in giving uh, Native Americans more land that they have uh, back on the East Coast, even uh, parts of the uh Appalachian Trail that I hiked, that they would actually have that, and they can, uh, that's their land, you know, and, and how, uh, just like the country Liberia was formed by escaping slaves from the U.S., um, that, you know, in even reparations for Japanese who were in World War II, they were treated horribly here and put in camps. Um, mm-hmm. So it's looking at camp, reparations, yeah. uh, it's, it's both financial reparations, but it's also saying, well, let's see how we can give you land or community centers or some, some programs that really help. And it, it's going beyond the, the dialogue that, uh, what we're hearing necessarily on, uh, from other sources. But, you know, it, it really is true. There is white privilege. There's the Jim Crow laws are in effect. I recommend people go check out Michelle Alexander has beautiful books, beautiful writings about the, you know, the real, the sad reality is we still have the Jim Crow and the, the modern prisons that we have. Um, if somehow I were to be president, I would definitely reach to the Netherlands where they're closing down. They have alternative, uh, prison sentencing where you're not going to prison. You have alternative. I would see like, uh, people go to Vipassana for 10 days for a light crime and also exonerate and, and expunge all the people who have, uh, a drug, uh, offense that they can start a new life. Cause we should all have infinite chances to start over. It's not just about two strikes you're out or three strikes you're out. Uh, let everybody have infinite chances to start over. It's not, and, and so let's get beyond the typical uh, fear of the law enforcement, military intel. Let's use social work. Let's use dancing, uh, poetry, uh, writing, with creativity. Let that be the, the queens and kings of our future uh, that uh, give us real identity. I tell people Starbucks, KFC, that's not identity. That's actually taking identity away of our neighborhoods. It's the dancers. It's the people living in the tents here in Austin. Austin has a beautiful history of being more of the hippie, more of the creative, dancing, you know, musicians, uh, artists, and they're they're getting gentrified out of the city right now. Uh, they can't afford to live here. It's so expensive. It's a couple thousand a month just to have an apartment here. It's a, 
you know, but we're losing the identity as we're jacking up the prices of these of different places around the country. So yeah. um, and then we can just, you know, hopefully like be like the Netherlands where they're closing their prisons. They're actually shutting down like half of all their prisons. There's a lot of great articles about that, uh, about how, you know, they see the value of uh, when someone comes out of prison uh, that they are, uh, that maybe they have college degrees or they have uh, a job. There's even programs they have there where if you're in prison, you can leave the prison and, and do a job and then come back to the prison later. Um, you know, like a real job that pays a real wage and everything, not not like the slave jobs that in the for-profit prisons, which we definitely need to get rid of. But uh, I guess overall, I would say that it's about let's see how we can uh, fix the karma of humanity and fix the karma of Mother Earth and give Mother Earth uh, a bill of rights and also have a homeless bill of rights so that people living out there also have value and see the value of your sisters and brothers whether a person has zero in their pocket or lots of money, I wish my nieces and nephews had spent time living uh, on the streets homeless um, for at least a month in a safe, if they were in a safe, protected way, they would be a much stronger and much better human beings if they had had that. They, they've kind of had a, a very protected life. I think there, there's a safe, protected way that everybody can have an experience of being on the streets. Uh, we can see a lot more compassion in the world. Um, and when you get to really get out and understand people that have lived that way, uh, those are some of the profound things that I went through in my journey of, and seeing a wide variety of different homeless shelters, um, and seeing that the rules really should be about getting that person into housing and, and a better life and not just that they're stuck in the shelter. My general, uh, as I've been to four homeless shelters across the United States, they're about keeping people in the shelter for the most part, except for the one in Lamosa that I went to in Colorado. Um, they're not about reforming people. They're about helping to keep funding going to these shelters and not about fully liberating the, the person. Um, I did, oh, one last thing before, uh, I, I do want to say thank you to my current roommate. He, I was struggling financially and I was, I had my tent and I was actually almost about to live in Austin in a tent and, he took me in. He bought me a laptop. He's not charging me rent. Um, he bought me glasses. It's a beautiful story. He's actually in India. He's from Mumbai originally, and he's the real deal. Um, and I'm watching his house while he's away um, for a few more months. And it's just a beautiful uh, love story, I have to say, that you know about his compassion that he took me in. And uh, I just interviewed another great uh, person to talk with is Glenn, uh, Glenn Dunsweiler, who has a new book about the homeless uh, entrepreneurial ideas. Uh, for homeless, and um, I just interviewed with him, and he actually took in a lady. He has a TEDx talk, too, which is really good. We've got a two-hour interview out there on the YouTube, and Glenn is also one of our leading homeless advocates in, in the country, and uh, he took a lady in and really helped her out a lot for several months, and so that's part of the solution is to, to go beyond simply giving somebody a couple dollars or look at ways where we can take people in and, and help uh, turn their lives around. Uh, so I, I just want to say thank you to my uh, roommate who um, has really helped me and, and helped teach me a lot more about the word compassion uh, and what that word really means and being able to also accept uh, his compassion. Absolutely. We've been talking with Daniel Roy Barron, and he's author of a book, and uh, he is uh, he's in what's called the real 
democracy movement. Please look at it and uh, and just Google it, and you'll find it right there. And go get his book. It's called Looking Glass Shattered, Cubicle Commando to Real-Life Democracy Leader. And uh, two things I just want to mention real quick. If you go to um, um, my independence report, we have a podcast, and it's called The New American Family. It's about what Daniel's just been talking about, a blended American family, a white woman and a black man get together, they get married, and they have kids. Are those kids, what are, what struggles does a blended family have? And we are going to have more and more blended families as we move forward as a country. So it's something that we need to look at and, and to understand the dynamics that's going on in our country. And the second one is, um, um, such unfortunate is a podcast that I just recently did. And it talks to, as Daniel can attest, it talks to, uh, he is a, uh, a heroin addict. He went into rehab 10 different times. They did not address the core issues. All they did was talk about, uh, if you don't have heroin in your body, we'll get you clean. And then they kicked you out the door until the next time that you come in. That's a, and 70,000 people a year are dying. And that's just one of the things that we need to fix as a country. And that's why I'm, I had Daniel on and is because he needs you. Well, you could choose to get educated about this entire situation and system so that you can uh, be part of the answer and cease to be part of the problem. So that's, that's, that's all I got to say about that. Take care of yourself. Be nice to somebody else today. And we'll see you next time on My Independence Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.